Welcome to the e-commerce growth show brought to you by Segmentify. Hello everyone and welcome to the e-commerce growth show. Uh, my name is Phil Kay and uh, I'm the partnerships guy for uh, Segmentify and um, as you know we're into the third um, series of the show now and uh, the third kind of vlog um, episode if you like. And um, as you know, this series is all about highlighting how some of our customers are actually using Segmentify to solve some of their more complex personalization needs. And uh, I'm really excited today to introduce you to a guy called John Bruce. Now, John Bruce is the head of e-commerce for Celtic FC, and uh, he has been there since 2016 with 12 years experience now across e-commerce and uh, digital marketing um, roles uh, in various different uh, kind of verticals from the public sector to DIY, B2B and uh, even funeral plans, would you believe it? So now we're, we're into uh, football, which is um, awesome. And uh, so he's overseen the transformation of Celtic's e-commerce operation uh, with a move away from third party supplier to a more in-house operation and has achieved uh, fantastic results already by increasing revenue of their operation by over 300%. So really excited to hear more about that. Hey John, how are you doing? Hi Phil, I'm good, thanks. Great. Well, that sounds like a really great story. Um, and uh, obviously doing a, some great work at Celtic there. How did you get into Celtic FC? That's a pretty cool role. Yeah, it's, um, I was quite lucky. I mean, I've always been a a passionate football fan from a, yeah. a young age and even managed to kind of squeeze it into my dissertation topic at university when I, when, when <laughs> I was doing that. So yeah. I actually interviewed one of my colleagues now at Celtic for my dissertation all those years ago. So uh, it must have been fate or something. But Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually, I must admit, not a Celtic fan. So uh, I'm a wow. Newcastle fan, unfortunately, I should say. So I uh, used yeah. to travel up and down with my dad for about 15 years from Scotland for all the home games. So, I mean, really, when I saw the job come up at Celtic, it was too good an opportunity to, to kind of let it go past. And I was fortunate enough to, to get the role. So it's a really interesting industry for me to be part of. And I, I do consider myself lucky cause there's, to have found the role because there's not, there's not many roles like this in, in football. No, absolutely. Do you manage to do you get like perks in the sense that you watch all the games from the box and all that? Uh, sometimes, not all the time, but uh, I, I only tend to kind of go along to the bigger ones, sort of Champions League games or maybe a Rangers game, experience that as well. Um, yeah, obviously you'll be taking your trusted partners to those kind of events as well, right? Of course, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant, nice one. Um, so, I mean, thanks so much, as I say, for being on the show today. And uh, one of the, so the, ma the main theme, if you like, about what we're going to talk about today is is, is a few things, but we're going to start it off with this, the, the kind of reasoning uh, and how it's been for you to take the operation from being outsourced effectively to in-house. And obviously that, that's not a, a small decision to make. There's some significant investment required there. So do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on the sort of major factors that you uh, took into consideration for doing that? Yeah, sure. I think it really starts from wanting to take control of the sort of end-to-end -end journey for our customers. Um, I think because we worked with a third-party supplier who were based down in Manchester, it, 
there was kind of this disconnect between the rest of our retail operation and our online operation. So we, we've still got 10 bricks and mortar stores mm. across Scotland and Ireland. Um, and you kind of had this online store, which felt like it was separate. And obviously in, in the world that we live in now, mm. customers expect you to be um, multi-channel, omni-channel, however you want to call it. Uh, yeah. And and whether they're shopping online or in-store, they expect the same experience. So we really wanted to give them um, the, the same experience shopping online, dealing with people who actually were employed by the club, working for the club so that it was a bit more personal. Um, whereas before it was phoning a call centre in Manchester for a company who dealt with several brands across sport. Um, so that was really, that was a big part of it. It was difficult for us to get changes implemented on the website. If we had ideas, we would have to go through a very arduous process to try and convince the third party to make those changes because ultimately if they change something on our site, they would have to change it across all of their sites because they were all built on one platform. Um, and so, yeah, uh, and ultimately it was about um, increasing profitability as well, because I, I believed looking at the numbers that if we brought things back under our control, we would we would significantly increase the amount of profit that we were putting back into the football club, which is ultimately what we are, what we're there to do. Um, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, thinking about that, I mean, um, you, you mentioned in the beginning or, or I in my, in my introduction that you you've done a phenomenal job of that already and increased revenue by over 300%. So, I mean, what have the, what have you seen with the, with the kind of the contributing factors to that growth that you've, you've done and, and how does that relate also to the COVID element? Yeah. So COVID's played a part. Um, we've seen a significant increase in the last, uh, the last six months after COVID, um, obviously initially when our stores were closed, a lot of that uh, business was driven online. But even since our stores have reopened, we've, we've continued to see online perform above expectations. Yeah. Um, so that's undoubtedly played a part. Uh, but before that, there was, it, it was really about um, getting, the, we, we needed to get more traffic into the website. And that was something that I identified very early on. We probably weren't exploiting our marketing channels as, as well as we could have been doing. Um, so we've, we've been able to increase the amount of traffic, the, the visibility of the site to our supporters. Um, we've improved what we're doing on the, on the marketing front. And then we've also improved the site itself, which is, has increased the conversion rate increased our average basket values so all those things combined really led to a big upturn in revenue even before covid came into play i think those changes that we've made over the past couple of years really put us in a much stronger position so when covid did come along we were able to capitalize on that um because of the changes that that we've made to to the site itself and bringing it in-house was a big part of that actually redesigning the site making sure that it was um, that it was designed from a mobile first point of view because we, we now know that kind of yeah. 75% of our traffic is coming in from a mobile phone. So making sure that that's wow. how we were designing the site um, was for, for to cater for everybody that was coming in in a mobile first and foremost. Mm -hmm. and, and we've seen we've seen the results of that with the increased conversion. I mean, we've basically doubled the conversion um, on the mobile site since we brought it back in-house. So, uh, that's yeah. Amazing. That's amazing. I, I mean, that, that's, that's, I, I'm always very keen sort of following the mobile trend, actually, because 
I mean, I'm still in this cohort of older guys, I suppose. Um, well, I can't really generalize like that. I mean, just me in, in myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't follow through, if you like. I don't buy on the mobile. You know, there was all this talk about everybody use the mobile to browse and then buy on the laptop. I am still that person. Sure. Um, even though, even though my other half, yep. actually, she'll, she'll happily do a Tesco order online or whatever. So have, so have you seen a, a serious shift? I suppose you, you've already said that in terms of your customers then coming on the mobile experience and, and finalizing and finishing on that experience, right? On that platform and buying the stuff they want. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as I said, 75% of our traffic comes in on a mobile, but yeah. it's now over 60% of our sales as well. So, um, we have we have seen that shift, and it's across all demographics. So, yeah. you're right. Like, I think traditionally people would have looked at it and said, well, that'll be a younger audience that are happy yeah. to shop on their mobile phone. But, I mean, yeah. even up to, yeah. like, people over 60, we know are completing on a mobile phone and buying on a yeah. mobile. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Do you think that's changed then now? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, obviously I am behind the curve. I get it. But in terms of the wider mobile experience now, is it, is it sort of, is it standard now that it's it, this like a few years ago when it was all a bit oh, mobile, is that all just gone now? And it is just standard. Everyone's completing in a large degree across all the verticals demographics on mobile now. Obviously, I don't know across all of them, but I think broadly speaking, yes, I think there's yeah. that those kind of um, those blockers to conversion that you maybe had sort of yeah. four or five years ago, the worries around security, the yeah. fact that people maybe didn't make the mobile experience as great as the desktop experience. I think yeah. those things are gradually just being broken down. And I think as technology continues to improve and, uh, and payment options become easier as well now, I think it's... Mm a lot easier for people to have that confidence just to do a couple of clicks on the mobile and yeah. um, and, and use a, a really simple payment option, not having to input your card details into yeah. the mobile site or whatever, just a click yeah. of a button and off you go. That's um, right. Yeah, no, and, and I think, I, like you say, watching all sorts of people doing it, um, it, it has, they actually say that it's more secure, right? Because you, you can use your mobile, or obviously even in a bricks and mortar as a, as a card, much more yeah. securely than the card itself. And like you say, you've preloaded security on a phone. Um, so it kind of makes a lot of sense. And, um, yeah. you Strange, know, strangely enough, a, a little anomaly in our data, but we've actually seen a kind of resurgence of people purchasing on desktop in the, really? in the youngest demographic. Yeah. And I don't know if that's due to the fact that a lot of them now are, a lot of them are quite into gaming, like with these big kind of gaming computers and gaming yeah. chairs and things and spend a lot of their lives on that. So I don't know if yeah. that, but we've just noticed that maybe over the past 12 months, there's, that's the group there's been a wee research. Really? It's in desktop and which is strange. But yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's funny actually, because I mean, t talking slightly off topic briefly, um, we were just talking this morning about how, like you've got my generation where, you know or certainly again maybe i can't speak for my generation but certainly certainly myself being sort of in my 40s i never really became a slave to social media you know not that you necessarily should call it that because the people that you know spend a lot of time on social media would not feel that they're enslaved by it right let's, let's be honest but it's interesting how i think some of the younger generations you know grew up with your instagram and so on and it very is it very much is a part of their life Whereas someone like myself, I've never looked at a news feed, you know, in my life. I've never looked at a reel, you know, sure. come up on other LinkedIn or anything. Um, but then we're talking about the very latest generation 
where there is this indicative sign that there's a, a potential kind of rebellion going on in terms of social media and, and all the pressure around it in terms of the expectation of how you should look and everything's perfect and so on. So that's interesting whether anything that of that is linked in with this as well, yeah. such that the usage of the mobile for, for basically everything is moving away again or, or whether it's a blip, I don't really know. Yeah, could be. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting area. Yeah, no, completely. Anyway, so, so kind of bringing it back to what we were talking about in the beginning, obviously you've mentioned a few bits and pieces already around, um, you know, bringing the operation in-house. But in terms of breaking it down a little bit more on, on some of the focus on the customers that you, you mentioned earlier, how, how is doing that in bringing it in-house, how, uh, what other ways have there been that have allowed you to um, focus more on the customer? Yeah, I think um, from, a, from an operational point of view, obviously it allows us to have more focus on a customer in terms of getting to know the customers and kind of trying to give them that personal experience where we, we know who our regular customers are, our team in, the cust in customer services have got kind of very good relationships with our, our kind of most important customers that shop with us all the time. Yeah. Um, that's something that we wouldn't have had in the past and it's almost going back to that sort of traditional sort of small store mentality where you know the people, you know what they're looking for, you can kind of cater for them. But kind of broader than that, I think really having control of, um, of having control of the site itself has allowed us to make changes quickly based on what our customers are looking for, what they're feeding back to us, what we're seeing in reviews, whereas before that wouldn't have been possible. Um, and ultimately we've now got the data to be able to, to kind of, uh, allow us to look at these things because yeah. when we were with the third party yeah. the data always going to the third party and we would have to kind of almost go and request that to to look at reports or start to try and analyze what was going on now we are getting direct access to to the data around the online store and that allows us to to make decisions and and be a lot more yeah. focused on what they're looking for and what they want yeah no absolutely so around data are, are we talking about um, multiple sources of data? Obviously, in terms of Segmentify, we're talking about Trendify. Is, yeah. Are you getting uh, the lion's share of the data insight that you need from there, or are there other areas of um, data that you're getting from as well? We use, we've obviously got things like uh, Google Analytics on the site to be able yeah. to look at what's happening on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. Um, we also, all transactional data gets passed into our uh, central data warehouse, which the club has. Yeah. So that will be matched up to anyone who buys season tickets or interacts with us across any of our other touch points, whether it's match day hospitality, stadium tours, so we can start to build up a picture of yeah. how those individuals are shopping with us across the entire club mm -hmm. um, and, and that gives us some useful information but sure. yeah from a from a purely e-commerce standpoint yeah i think um having segmentify on the site and access to the likes of trendify mm. has really helped us to sort of understand what's going on on the website on a much deeper level than something like google analytics could ever do mm. um oh, that's brilliant yeah yeah I mean, so, so and going a little bit sort of deeper in terms of some of the application of the data's there in Trendify. Obviously, we work, as you know, really hard to sort of roll up data 
to a sort of a you know a, a format that's easy to get hold of to be an action can you could you give our our, our viewers a bit of a a bit a bit of a flavor of some examples of how how you've been able to move from not having that insight to now having it and what sort of results have you managed to be able to or, or problems have you managed to solve you know from from this 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 data now that you're getting yeah we, we've got a f i've probably got a few examples so um yeah. with things like the so the product widgets as an example that are on the yeah. site um obviously the the engine can pick up things that customers are, are looking at quite frequently and then can start to display those products and the and the widgets to those customers at various points of the journey mm -hmm. but we've also used it to actually help us like promote a, a specific product at a specific time of year and make sure that that's pinned at all points along that customer journey so that they'll see it so like father's day is a big time of the year for us because lots of people are buying celtic related merchandise for for um mm -hmm. for fathers yeah. and uh we we sell Father's Day a Father's Day card every year, and this year was the first time that we've been able to sort of keep that pinned really prevalently through the customer journey because of the Segmentify widgets and the the sales of that were were incredible. Um, like we we fixed that to position one in the basket as like an yeah. add-on for everybody, um, and we we sold like as many. Father's Day cards online this year in the build-up as we normally would across the whole of our retail operation just because we were getting it in front of people really? wow. and that's something that before somebody would probably have had to make that conscious decision to say oh wait a minute I wonder if they do cards and go and look in that section to add it yeah. in whereas we were making yeah. it easier for them to to add that into their basket yeah. Um, yeah we've also had a good example where we might uh, we might have in the past have not fully understood that a product wasn't performing for for a particular reason so like we might have realized that it wasn't selling but we might not have known why or or may have been kind of guessing as to why um this year we noticed that um through trendify that there was a particular product that lots of people were viewing but nobody was buying it mm -hmm. um so we were able to sort of drill down into that and look at why that might be. And we actually realized that it was a bit of an oversight because we were making a move from New Balance as a brand to Adidas in the summer in switching kit suppliers. Yeah. And we actually had a pair of branded New Balance trainers, which mm -hmm. hadn't been marked down in line with the rest of the New Balance stuff. So yeah. loads of people were going in to look at them, but were obviously thinking, that they're quite expensive compared to the rest of the stuff so we were then able to sort of mark them down and suddenly see them shifting and, and the stock moving so that was something we picked up just by looking at the trendify reports um yeah which which we might not necessarily have done if, if we hadn't had that there no i mean <clears throat> that's so encouraging to hear that that you've got that data <clears throat> at your fingertips now and isn't that amazing, isn't it? When you say where it's outsourced, you, you've lost control of that. And you, I suppose, as you say, you came into the role, you recognised, hold on a minute, that, 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 that there's got to be something going on here. You've got under the bonnet, you've brought it in-house, you've got the right tool to get that insight. And then bang, you're seeing these amazing turnaround where, like you say, the, the right product is being floated up through the engines. You haven't got to try and manually work that out and manually curate it with all the other things you've got to do. 
you're just literally relying on the engines to do that for you based on the behavior of the of, of the users that's so cool you know you were talking an, about another really cool example was it about the car mats that you you didn't realize and, and segmentify sort of floated them up yeah that's right so yeah the, the, we sell like as i'm sure you can imagine um anything that you can put a crest on literally we <laughs> sell it so we've got we've probably got any one time maybe around up to 800 products on the site um so in in the past it's sometimes things would be would be buried down in a category somewhere yeah. somebody would have to really be looking for it to go and find it so at christmas this year we we had branded car mats and yeah. normally speaking we'd have probably taken the f the whole of the christmas period to shift them mm. um and the widgets and segmentify suddenly realized that people were interested in them and were were purchasing them so they started to obviously be displayed to more and more people in the widgets through the site and suddenly within a couple of days we were literally sold out of the car mats we we been cleared out and we had to place a reorder to get more in and we, we literally had people like contacting us saying you know when are the car mats coming back in we, we want to, we want those car mats and when we got the when we got the restock back in they were quickly out the door again yeah. so that was probably one of the first times that wasn't long after we we'd installed segmentify on the site and that was probably one of the first times that you could really sit back and say mm -hmm. wow that's how this can can really work for us it was a real tangible example yeah no that's that's so it's so great and did you um just out of interest actually because as you know segmentify is kind of you know value proposition if you like for want of a better word is that we 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 we, we always try and prove ourselves before you commit to anything how, how was it through the proof of concept did you see anything start to happen even at that stage with, with the poc I've got a funny feeling that that that, that karma example was yeah. actually during that proof yeah. of concept. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we definitely did see. Uh, I mean, obviously, you get access to the full dashboards and the information as to how much um, every widget's contributing. You yeah. can actually see it in real time. Yeah. So it didn't take long for us to start to see that it was having a real impact. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's interesting. We. This is what I'm so like. In, in, encouraged by is that you know we 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 typically don't do anything more than like a 14-day poc typically because that the engines as you know that, that they we've we found this that because of the speed at which the engines pick up what's going on that's really our core thing you know that that the the, the ability to really capture the, the journey super super quick in terms of a real-time conversion tool effectively um, is really where we found the benefit and literally it can be a matter of hours when you, you manage to get your widgets onto the site and because you're not waiting for very long to actually build a picture of, of what that customer is doing it actually drives results so phenomenally quickly that I suppose it allows Segmentify to be able to go to market and say well look you know we'll do the free POC because it's only going to be a matter of hours or a few days before you realize that we're actually delivering what we're saying and you can make an informed decision which i suppose is you know it's a really lovely place to be yeah and I, and I think that was one of the the big appeals of segmentify in the first place was i mean i i met um some of the team at the irx in birmingham um kind of last april uh, april 2019 and yeah. kind of you 
as an e-commerce, uh, someone that works in e-commerce, you get a lot of um, approaches on a kind of weekly basis from people who are telling you that they're going to double your revenue or whatever it might yeah. be. And, yeah. and But the, the thing that really appealed to me was the, the fact that it was, look, this isn't going to cost you anything. All we need to do is put a bit of code on your website and then we'll prove to, we know that this will work for you. And we, we, we are backing ourselves here to put this on your site. And we are pretty confident that you will see the results in that 14 day period and that you'll want to continue with us. And if you don't, that's fine. We'll just remove the code and, and yeah. that's the end of it. And that really appealed to me because I think there isn't a lot of that in the industry, to be honest. I think people want you to, to take a leap of faith, they want money up front. And um, when you don't even know what the results are, are going to be, you can have a business case based on data that you've given them, but you don't actually know what's going to happen with these things until you start seeing it in a live environment, right? So mm. the fact that we were able to have that mm. proof of concept period mm. um, was the reason that was the reason that we went with Segmentify. And as I say, it didn't take very long for us to start seeing the, the mm. tangible results. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's really great to hear that. Um, so were there, were there any, I mean, obviously, in terms of the implementation, we, we're talking obviously product recommendations and on-site search. How have you, how have you got on with on-site search, for example, so far? And yeah, so we've seen, we've seen a little bit of improvement in on-site search. I think mm -hmm. we had a pretty, we had a pretty good on-site search to start with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we're, we're working hard with a team to kind of think of different ways that we can continue to improve that. We've, yeah. we've tried to, to make some tweaks to it just to, to call out the search bar a little bit more and make it feel a little bit more personalized for people when they're in there. And yeah. um, it's, it's definitely had a positive impact, maybe not as much as some of the other areas, but as I say, no. again, we, we've yeah. identified that and we're, we're working with the team on how we can get the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice that we've got the managed services team to try and help you as well in terms of, you know, driving best practice and the roadmap for it as well, you know, to start bringing in uh, search results pages and faceted filtered search and merchandising and stuff. So it'd be exciting to kind of continue gaining your feedback from that and driving, driving the gains forward. Eh? Um, yeah. And then, and then what about, um, tell me, tell us about the push notification side of things. How, how have you, um, been in how have you been getting on with that? Very well. So um, push wasn't a channel that we used before, um, and I think there's prob that's probably quite common, especially in the UK. I think there's still a little bit of a a nervousness around using push. I think people think of it as being quite intrusive that you're suddenly sending a push notification to somebody's browser. Um, we we felt that we were probably um, we were probably quite well placed to deploy it and as much as if you're a if you're a Celtic supporter and you're opting in to receive messages then you're probably not going to get annoyed about something popping up in your browser because you live and breathe breathe the club um but I do think it's it's something that's probably underutilized um in in e-commerce in the UK we've certainly seen we very quickly built an audience um on there uh, we got a lot of signups straight away and it's allowed us really to just have another another tool to be able to push messages out whether that's a kit launch or whether we've got a sale on or whether it's a new product that's come in it's just a really simple way of pushing pushing that message out to a large yeah. audience um yeah. and we we've had to learn obviously because i've not done it before we've we've been very keen to use 
the the reports and segmentify to see what works what doesn't work the same way as you would do with an email campaign or anything else and mm. start to refine how we actually use it so we've now got a much better idea of the sort of levers to pull with mm. push um mm. but it uh, as well as the kind of promotional messages we have like back in stock push notifications yeah. well um product recommendations uh, for people so um, I think, again, that's something that we'll continue to work with the team on improving, yeah. but it's definitely been a great start. It's it's something that we didn't have before, and it's become an important part of, of what we do. Yeah, I, I, it, it kind of makes sense to me more, more than more than anything, actually, when, when you're talking about a football club and you know, you've got loyal visitors, you know, loyal customers that would probably want to hear about their club. Because it's a really big thing, isn't it? The loyalty to your to your football club, um, and uh, so it doesn't surprise me that push notification actually is something you could really explore, and um, just to keep that almost like a, a you know the, the news, you know the news of what's going on with like you say different campaigns or different initiatives, different things that are going on. Um, so yeah, that sounds really exciting, and then obviously to be able to push that eventually through email as well. Um, we mentioned earlier, not at the moment, but certainly for the future, it sounds like in terms of the you know advancing email campaigns to in a similar way yes absolutely that's the next thing on the roadmap with the team really so um for example things like abandoned basket emails at the moment we we have a solution but it it only really works for a very small percentage of people who use our site on a on a daily basis um so people need to be logged in to be able to get an abandoned basket email and not many of the people who shop on our site tend to log into their account so we are we're working with the team to look at a way of being able to to capture more people who are abandoning baskets and then trigger an email out to them and also as you say then trying to work it into our actual promotional emails trying to make them a little bit more personalized Mm -hmm. we tend to be a little bit uh, more just a bulk send of email to everybody in our database at the moment for whatever offer we've got on at that particular time so yeah. that's an area that we kind of acknowledge we could we could do better when it comes to personalizing content and making it more relevant so that people are more likely to click through rather than it just ending up in a, a trash folder yeah no completely so just to finish off like what we've been talking about um are there any sort of other sort of tangible returns from the deployment of segmentify so far that we haven't sort of covered um no i'd say we've probably covered the main ones as i say we yeah. we have a monthly call with the team um yeah. which is really useful we we review all the results we talk about things that we want to to implement and they come at us with ideas as much as we come with ideas which is great it, it feels like a proper partnership um you, you feel like the team want want you to keep pushing them to come up with with new ideas for how they can implement the the solution on the website so um yeah those those are really useful um and it it gives me confidence that we can just continue to build on on the success we've had so far yeah no that sounds brilliant and uh yeah that's really interesting to close on because that that's another thing that we're we we appreciate is very very important and also we're very proud of in the sense that you know, we don't hold anybody to ransom. I think we mentioned before is that one of the other things that a lot of, a lot of you know people really respect is the fact that we're not locking people in to long contracts and you know 
changing price brackets or consultancy costs X, Y, whatever it might be. Um, and I think that's interesting how it, how it fits with the team because the team, they, we need to make sure we're driving things forward in the way that you're talking about just because it's a 30-day monthly rolling contract and there's no lengthy time that you can become complacent and you've got to wait such and such an amount of time before you renew and so on. So I think that does work in, in a day and age where there should be an accountability, I think, in business. And, and I really think that, you know, the culture segment of ours, you've probably seen in terms of, um, you know, the, that managed services team and the wider business are really trying to drive that kind of accountability across, across everybody. Uh, and I'm really kind of excited that that kind of floats through to the front line to our customers and, and, and the sort of things you've been talking about. But um, yeah, it's been really interesting to chat to you about these great examples of how genuinely you've taken a tool and you've, you've transport formed part of the way in which you were uh, running the business and seen some amazing returns from it. And just, just in terms of um, people contacting you, I mean, if anybody out there in your space, particularly in football or anyone else out there that's currently outsourcing, for example, or is considering looking at their personalization strategy or whatever, um, if, if, if they were to contact you, what, what would be the best way to, to do that? Um, people can email me. I'd be happy for them to email me. The my email address is jbruce at celticfc.co.uk. Um, or alternatively, they can do the old search on LinkedIn and find me there and, and drop me a message. Um, either way, I'd be be happy to hear from people. Yeah, wonderful. That's great. Thanks, John. And then just just as a final thing, um, I, I like to ask this for the guys that I uh, I speak to: is Do you have anything? Uh, you're passionate about uh, about life, about business, e-commerce, whatever that you, you'd love the guys to um, to take away from this chat. Yeah, I think from a from an e-commerce and from a business point of view, I'm a yeah I'm a firm believer that you need to put it sounds simple, but you need to put the customer at the heart of everything that you do. And I think sometimes that gets lost. Um, yeah. There's so much technology out there now, and as I mentioned earlier, people contact you on a daily basis, promising to or claiming to double your revenue or triple your conversion rate or whatever it might be. And it always seems almost too good to be true. But I think you need to take a step back and, and think about it from your customer's viewpoint. Will this technology actually improve the experience for the customer? And the chances are if, if it does and it makes you more customer centric as a business, then it's probably worth in investing in. Uh, and if it doesn't, then it, it probably isn't. Um, so yeah. I think that's something that I always, that's something I kind of try and talk about in our business and, and to other people is just thinking about things from that, that customer. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, I think we're completely aligned there in the sense that that's what we try and do as well, you know, when it comes to, to working with, with Celtic and, and our customers in general. But um, so say thank you so much john for that really really insightful chat and um thank you for watching everybody um i hope you found it really useful uh, and as you know if you uh, haven't done so already do go over to segmentify.com forward slash e-commerce growth show or podcast uh, to sign up and uh, receive any of the uh, podcasts and vlogs that we're doing uh, in the ongoing series and the previous ones and if there's any topics uh, in general you want us to discuss or research or you want to be on the show to talk about anything uh, do get in touch at uh, phil at segmentify.com anytime and we can have a chat about it but uh, yeah 
just to finish off, say thanks so much, John, once again for the, for the great chat. Thanks, Phil. My pleasure. Not at all. Not at all. And uh, look forward to uh, joining you uh, in the box at some point. See? <laughs> when we get fans back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to get the fans in first. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening and uh, watching. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon. 